Hey everyone, it's Anna. Welcome to part two of our much-anticipated Harry Styles series with Lizzie and Hallie. In this episode, we discuss Harry's discography, from his self-titled studio debut to Fine Line, and finally, Harry's house. We only had so much time, and we literally could make an episode for each of Harry's songs. But we hope we scratch the surface just enough to tell a bigger picture story of Harry Styles' music progression. versus the stylists. Oh my god, I'm so afraid. I know. They're so mean. We were legit well, I was legitimately afraid that people were gonna come to us after the stylist thing, but thankfully so dumb. Fine, you're a Harry. It's fine. We can also be like, oh we should have called ourselves a stylist. That's so funny. Without it being like, stop rebranding. We're not rebranding. Calm down. We are marketing people at heart. This is what we do for our day jobs. Yeah, exactly. Excuse us for finding a little funniness. It kind of goes to the whole gatekeeping thing that you can experience in fandoms where if you think something a little bit different or new, people are going to come after you if it's a different thought or a thought that's not aligned with this monolithic thinking that some fandoms can kind of have. (laughs) Yeah, Swifties are because her last name is Swift. It's fine that Harry's are because his first name is Harry, but like stylists is funny. It is. And we were also making a joke because Harry Styles has a stylist whose name is also Harry. He's the head stylist. It's objectively funny. It is objectively funny. Honestly, the man's name is Harry Styles. Like you said, from a marketing perspective, I look at his name and be like, okay, what are we going to call ourselves? Obviously, the stylists. I don't think of calling him Harry's. Yeah. Like, no. Harry's just sound like, I. when I think of a Harry, I think of, like, a big, burly, beefy, hairy man. <laughs> like, I don't think of Harry Styles. That reminds me, I don't know what was going on with the Instagram algorithm one day, but there was this hair removal product that I was marketed to, and it starts off, are you a hairy girl? <laughs> And I'm like, yes, I am a hairy girl. <laughs> Thank you for asking. But, and then they were like, well, this product can remove all the unwanted hair. And I'm like, oh no, not, not that kind of hairy Not girl. that kind of hairy. <laughs> oh my God, guys, speaking of hairy. So do you know what Newly is? It's a online rental, clothing rental. It's like rent the runway, but for like more casual clothes. Never heard of it, but go on. I was browsing through the closet the other day, like to see what I wanted to rent next month. And this shirt came up and I definitely need it. Oh my gosh. Styles with all the just different animals and hairstyles. And it's, so it's Harry Styles spelled H-A-I-R-Y. Iconic. Oh my gosh. That's great. That's necessary. Well, welcome everyone to our second episode of Harry Styles. This is Anna and we've got Lizzie and Hallie again. Hello. Heyo. So we are here to talk about Harry Styles' discography. So the first episode, we legitimized the experience of being a Harry fan. And this episode is going to be about legitimizing the music. So legitimizing the fan experience, legitimizing the music. That is what we do on this podcast. Yeah, we do. (laughs) (laughs) So we just also wanted to send a quick thank you to all of the new listeners because we got over 100,000 views on 
all of the social media platforms from our last Harry Styles video. So it was a clip of our first episode. And we're finally getting back together for episode two, which is like six months in the making. But it's fine. It'll be worth it. There's no bad time to talk about Harry Styles. No. <laughs> um, so again, thank you to all of the new listeners. This is so exciting. So a lot has happened with Harry Styles since the last time we talked. Allegedly, he's finally going to stop touring. <laughs> he is. Maybe catch a break, poor man. He is. And we incorrectly said love on tour it was going on till the fall of 2023. Technically, it's the summer of 2023, but that's still almost two years of love on tour. So we're happy that it's going to have an end. And hopefully, Harry will be taking a little bit of a break. <laughs> I hope for his sake he gets to just disappear somewhere. Yes. Honestly, I don't know if he's like a beach guy, but if he goes to like a nice beach, hangs out, goes and sees his family for a while, I feel like ideally he needs to just burrow and reemerge as like a beautiful butterfly. (laughs) (laughs) Just give him a break. Let the public miss him because I think when we obviously as fans, we're always like more music, more Harry content, please. But I think it's also good for them, for artists to just collect themselves, disappear, get to be a real person and not just the persona who slaps a smile on and goes and crushes a performance five days a week. Yeah, agreed. So Harry is definitely a beach person because, and we're going to be talking about this documentary throughout this episode, when he was making his debut album, he went to Jamaica for two months with his collaborators and that's where they wrote a majority of the music. You see them in this gorgeous home in Jamaica, right on the water. And Harry said in the documentary that that trip won the first trip that he had taken since being in One Direction. So that's seven years without a vacation. Sinful. And I've complained (laughs) that it's been seven months for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And two, up until that point, it was like one of the best moments of his life, which was just so nice. And you can see him just enjoying himself and doing things that he loves to do. So we hope that he goes back to Jamaica or wherever he chooses and just relaxes a bit. So a couple other things that has happened. We went to a Harry Styles drag show. Do we want to talk about that? Ooh, yeah. We went to drag brunch. Yes. Harry Styles drag brunch. Harry Styles drag brunch with some amazing, amazing drag kings that were featured. It was such a great performance and so much fun. They did Harry songs. They did a few One Direction songs too. And they did a bunch of One Direction songs, which I was surprised about. And I loved seeing like, it was such a diverse crowd. I mean, 20, 30 something girlies. We saw everybody there. I'm honestly thinking of that little boy. He had the time of his life and he was just loving it. And his mom took him. I'm assuming that was his mom. Yeah. That was so cute. He had sequin sneakers on. He was such a little nugget. Yeah, it was a pretty diverse crowd and it was really fun. Good vibes all around. It was. I feel like the nice thing about Harry Styles' music is that it just makes you want to get up and dance. And I wanted to join the kings and queens as they were doing their performances. So I was like, guys, look at you're having fun. I don't want to sit here drinking mimosas. I want to do high kicks. I know. You almost kind of feel a little lazy for just sitting there. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, anytime you give me breakfast food and Harry Styles music, I'm going to have a good time. If your city, town, whatever is doing a Harry Styles drag show or drag brunch or whatever, highly recommend going. You're probably going to have a good time. Let's start off with the beginning of Harry Styles, the solo artist. It's interesting to see the influences that Harry Styles has had and how it kind of compares to the influences within One Direction. Harry takes influences from a lot of rock music from the 60s, 70s, and 80s 
One Direction really had an 80s vibe to a lot of their music. And it was interesting to kind of see Harry take that 80s rock, but also infuse it with 60s and 70s rock music too. So you hear a lot of influences from Elvis, Fleetwood Mac, The Beatles, Paul McCartney, Rolling Stones, Prince, David Bowie, Elton John, Oasis, Lenny Kravitz, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> yeah, I feel a lot of Fleetwood Mac yes, in his work. Definitely. Um, I'm also just thinking about how like, interesting it was. I remember in 2014, ish when one direction was releasing four i remember one of the reviews was like this is 80s rock influence this is the 80s music your brother grew up listening to and around the same time taylor swift was dropping 1989 they're like also 80s influence but this is the 80s music your sister was listening to (laughs) and now i feel like harry is making the 80s music that anyone would have listened to And also keeping up with the infusion of 60s and 70s rock as well. Because I feel like he probably wanted to stray away from a lot of the 80s sound, at least like the synthy poppy kind of 80s sound, in order to kind of distinguish himself from a lot of the One Direction songs. Yeah, it's not as big, bombastic, synthy pop. There is some of that, but not as much. I feel very much like I've heard it before, not in like a unoriginal way, but in a way that feels like, yeah, I, I feel like I would have listened to this. Yeah. It, it just feels like home, comfortable. I was going to talk about this a little bit later, but we can talk about this now. I have this theory that Harry Styles and the new Jonas Brothers stuff is basically our generation's yacht rock music. I love oh, it. Yeah. Yacht rock. <laughs> it's just feel good, easy listening. You could be on a boat in the summertime and just jam out and just have no cares in the world kind of music. Are they our generation's hollow notes? I, I kind of think that Jonas Brothers dreams come true. Literally, do, do. is Waffle House not that song? Waffle House slaps. <laughs> it slaps so good. And I don't know what the Waffle House has to do with anything else. <laughs> oh, well, there's a whole there's a whole story behind the Waffle House. Do you not know it? No, I've only like listened to the song and I still only know the words Waffle House. And I mean, they grew up in Jersey, so there are no Waffle Houses. Well, when they were traveling around and doing shows, the Waffle House was the only thing open after mm. hours. And they were hungry because, you know, their your adrenaline is going yeah. after you, you perform for two, three hours. So they're 15, 16, 17 years old, not old enough to go to a bar. So they go to like a diner or a Waffle House. I mean, they're Jersey boys. They love their diners in Jersey. They absolutely do. (laughs) I can contest because (laughs) I've been to Jersey many times. And I mean, we hit a diner immediately after the Harry Styles show in New York. That is true. We did. And that was iconic. (laughs) (laughs) The Jonas Brothers third part of that episode is coming out (laughs) soon with my cousins. So... (laughs) I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I feel like we need a boy band for 20s, 30s. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with boy bands that roll out for like younger audiences and like go for it. But I just would like a boy band filled with not quite the age of Backstreet Boys and nobody come for me because they are old. They are. They are. are. That is just a fact. Kevin is 50. So. (laughs) And like they're still crushing it every day. But like I don't want the 15 year old and I don't want the 50 year old. I need like a 28 year old on stage with four, three to four others. So Nick Jonas. Oh, my God. It's just the Jonas Brothers, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I need another one. Maybe Big Time Rush. Absolutely not. (laughs) You can edit that out. But no. Jonas Brothers is doing what One Direction could have done if they stuck together. Do you? Do you think that there's not a 
like there's not a boy band that fits that demographic because of the fact that people still don't take boy bands seriously. So the thing is, is that the whole boy band thing has kind of become international because the big boy bands right now are all K-pop groups. Mm. There's no like big American boy band. There was. Why don't we? R.I.P. R.I.P. <laughs> I think the problem is not that people don't take them seriously. It's that, frankly, with the exception of the Backstreet Boys, who took a two year hiatus and meant it as a hiatus. Right. Boy bands have a very short shelf life. They don't survive long enough to see their audience grow with them. Again, I'm going to talk about Taylor Swift here because all roads lead to Taylor Swift. She released her debut album at 16. I was also like 14, 15 around that time. Now she's 33. I'm 31. That's good Lord. (laughs) (laughs) But she's never stopped making music. Mm -hmm. And so as her music has evolved, as she's grown up, her music has changed, but I've grown up with it. Similar to the Jonas Brothers. They did take a hiatus, but they came back. I listened to them at 15, 16 when they were roughly, or at least Joe and Kevin were probably that age. Nick might be a little younger. Um, And now I feel like they're making music that I would listen to at my age. It doesn't feel like it's too watered down for like a a teen audience. But the Jonas Brothers and again, the Backstreet Boys, they're the exception to the boy band rule. Right which is we peter off at four or five years. I think if you had boy bands stick together and like keep going past that, you know, short shelf life, you would have your 28 year olds making music for 28 year old. But there is something to kind of growing up with an artist. And I think that Harry Styles is a good example of growing up with an artist like him and seeing him developed from his early days on the X Factor until now and blossoming into this amazing songwriter, vocalist, etc. So and I would just like to say, in case any of the members of One Direction and their management team are listening, I would like you to reconvene the group and then they can work on side projects on the side. <laughs> I can be a Harry Styles fan and a One Direction fan at the same time. I will go to both concerts and I will support both artists equally. So if you're worried about audience crossover do not worry i can support both of them the thing is is that i don't quite understand is with every other boy band they have all collaborated with each other after the band broke up when on hiatus however it's kind of surprising to me that none of the one direction members have collaborated so i'm kind of hoping that this happens with with niall's album upcoming album but who knows if i get a song on niall's album and it's something featuring harry styles i will be r.i.p unwell (laughs) r.i.p deceased not okay yeah I, i think this goes back to the social media aspect of every time like harry and niall are spotted together or niall and louie or there's any interaction between the band members as friends and colleagues of spending so much time together people jump on that and they're like oh my god this means this and I don't think we had that in the early aughts yeah like you might have still had frenzy but it wasn't online frenzy to the point of like oh my god what does this mean and I think they're in such a unique position of sometimes they can't even like each other's posts without being like this is a sign that they're coming back yeah and I feel for them because it's got to be exhausting to just be like can't we just be friends they know what would happen if they collaborated. Yeah. 
the bar is so high. <laughs> and I think, I don't know that they're necessarily afraid of like, oh, we'll miss the bar. But I think sometimes they just want to enjoy each other's company as like brothers and friends and colleagues rather than collaborators. Yeah. And we're all just so eager for a One Direction reunion that we forget that they're people. Right. Lizzie, earlier you said the bar is super high if it were to come to a reunion. I would love to counter that and say the bar is on the floor because if I got even just like some... They could sing my grocery list and I would cry. Yeah, that's the thing. Like I, I'm happy for any sort of reunion. Like, of course I want an album or a song or like something that's good, but also arguably if they put out a terrible song I would be like oh my god One Direction did a song together again when I say the bar is really high I mean for industry not for fans yes for fans again the bar's on the ground they could sing me my grocery list or the ABCs and I would cry tears of joy and thank them but I think you would see the online discourse of One Direction reunited and it was dot 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 disappointing like I'm sorry can't you see that BuzzFeed headline now I think they've just had to grow up being more cautious of online and media. And as a result, like I think they are a more cautious band and artists and people as a result of all of that. It's frustrating. It is. Now, my question for both of you looking at the one direction and looking at backstreet boys, like, do you think social media, like, I feel like they, those are two bands that have broken up. Actually, boys gone. have technically never broken they up. We got in trouble for saying that. They took a hiatus. Okay. NSYNC broke up. <laughs> or is NSYNC still on hiatus too? They're technically still on hiatus, but go on. You Sorry. Can argue that, you can argue that One Direction is also still on hiatus. So to, for two bands, <laughs> we're on hiatus. I'm just curious of like how so, how you think social media like played into all that. With NSYNC, they've been on hiatus for 20 years. Yeah. So like R.I.P. <laughs> 21. I feel like if they were to get back together, like, I don't know. I just feel like it's different now than with social media. It would it would be mayhem because there's like a lore with them getting back together because it's been so long that when they played Coachella with Ariana Grande a few years ago, people freaked out. They freaked out online. Um, but they've never done anything since then. And things have kind of snowballed since then. Yeah, it, social media just kind of amplifies everything and puts everything under a microscope where it wasn't before. People didn't really talk about the things... these kinds of things like in the early 2000s because there wasn't really an avenue to there wasn't a forum for it like they might have talked about it with your friends or it never got off the ground like and yeah there were like chat rooms yeah yeah. but that is still different than like social media which goes so far right and I mean those you know online forums there were uh, there was a set number of people you had to like really be in the know you had to be kind of of age like I was way too young for any of that stuff back in the day so anyway so back to Harry Styles within the creation of Harry Styles debut album he made a documentary he made a documentary called Harry Styles behind the album documenting the process of his debut album like I said he goes to Jamaica with his collaborators, with his songwriters, his team, his friends, and they all write songs and take this opportunity to just relax, go to the beach, jam out. Basically like a songwriting camp and yoga retreat. Which sounds lovely. Sounds lovely. Harry Styles, if you need anyone, I cannot do yoga. And I don't <laughs> know how good I am at writing songs, um, but I would like to go. <laughs> so if you do another one, holler at me. But he does say within the documentary that... Within One Direction, it was just go, 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 go for five years straight. No breaks. 
And he was like, this process is so different because we're just kind of relaxing and just doing things at a much slower pace. I remember watching the One Direction documentaries and they're pulling Zayn out of bed after a show so that he can record, I think it was for best song ever, whatever. It doesn't matter what he was recording. But yeah, they never got a chance to really focus because they were always recording an album while on tour, which is exhausting. And they did that for five years straight. So I feel like for him to be able to back up, really sit for a minute and be like, what kind of artist do I want to be? What kind of music do I want to make? It had to have been really nice for him and a huge change of pace. Totally. And I also forgot to mention, too, that before he even went into the creation process for this album, he took two years off in between One Direction and this. And he says in the documentary that he just spent time with his family and reconnected with old friends, which I'm so glad that he had that opportunity to do. And I'm so glad he took advantage of that. Like he had spent the last five years on the road for One Direction. He knew that he, I think he hoped that he would have a future career that would be equally, if not bigger. And so I'm glad he took the opportunity to just sit still for five minutes. Yeah. Especially in a culture that is very much like strike while the iron's hot. You're just coming out of One Direction. We need to release an album now. I'm really glad that he was able to take a minute and be like, hmm. No. And I feel like that's probably set him up to have the success that he has to just kind of like hit the brakes for a minute. I wonder if Zane being the first solo artist coming out of One Direction kind of took the pressure off of Harry and anyone else in the band. I think so. Yeah, I, I definitely think there wasn't that rush to the finish line because Zane had done it a year to the day that he left One Direction, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm still bitter. <laughs> March 25th is a is a hard date. <laughs> I cried in my place of employment. <laughs> I'm not proud, but it did happen. <laughs> um, yeah, I think having Zayn come out the door first, it took the pressure off, especially now when they can connect so easily to fans via social media. They can be like, oh, yeah, it's coming and not feel that stampede to the door. I also just wonder if because it had been such a rat race with One Direction, if he needed to like fall back in love with the whole creative process of music and fall back in love with songwriting and with singing and all of that jazz because I imagine the previous five years it just kind of drained him mentally of you know they always say like don't make money off your passion because then it won't be your passion anymore it's just going to be how you make money so I really I feel like he probably wanted to take those two years to yeah reprioritize things really make sure like yes I like singing I like performing it's not just something I'm good at like it genuinely brings me joy which he needed to do. Harry Styles' approach is completely different than Justin Timberlake's approach to being a solo artist from a boy band because Justin Timberlake, not even six months after NSYNC went on hiatus, quote unquote, Justin Timberlake goes and creates his debut album. Like, no, (laughs) barely a break in between. Harry took two years and I think it made him a much more rounded artist personally. Yeah, I agree. So back to the documentary. So we see Harry and his relationship with Mitch Rowland and also working with Jeff Basker as well, who produced, I believe, almost the entire album. Some really cool moments from this documentary. And again, this is called Harry Styles Behind the Album. Some really cute moments (laughs) is Harry. (laughs) When they're done with recording one of the songs, Harry was just like, I'm going to go watch a rom-com in my room. A king. <laughs> a king. He's like, I'm done. I'm going to go watch one Harry Met Sally. <laughs> Good for him. That is self-care, Harry. 
Harry's also writing songs on a typewriter, which I thought was so wholesome and old man vibes. <laughs> Again, I wonder if that has to do with like going back to the root of uh, of the songwriting process and being like, I want to be so into it. Like, I don't want any distractions. I want to go straight to the source. If you're writing on a typewriter, you literally can't do anything except write versus when you do it on a computer or handwrite it. Like, I don't know. There's a lot of distractions. Feels very intentional. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Harry also does a really cool and pretty decent impression of Bob Dylan. (laughs) And so there's also a moment where they're recording Sign of the Times and they bring in the gospel musicians. And (laughs) Harry's reaction to these musicians, you would have thought that it was the first time that Harry had seen a gospel choir. It may have been. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. He is English. I don't know if they have that in the Anglican church, but (laughs) his facial expression was just like, oh my God. It was so cute. It's so cute. One critique of this documentary, Sarah Jones is barely featured. You see her playing the drums, but she's not involved in the creative process at all. And she's, she doesn't have any lines in it. Which is wild because I feel like if they made a documentary like this today, she would be heavily featured. I was a little disappointed in that. And I did say this critique in the first episode that you see them in this house in Jamaica and it's all white men. I was a little incorrect. Jeff Basker is Indian, so he is a person of color. But still, I think that, and we'll kind of talk about this as we progress within Harry's discography, but it's mostly white men that he's involved himself with in terms of songwriting and producing. Having one person there is not enough. There needs to be more diversity within his collaborators. Yeah. And Harry Styles is not the only mega artist who does this. No, like, definitely not. God love Taylor Swift. I would die for that woman. But I mean, she pretty much just produces with Jack Antonoff. Right. And she's been she's received criticism for that, too, of being like, you just draw inspiration and work with white men. Yeah, I did see some crazy statistic that less than 10% of all producers within the music industry are women. That's frustrating. Uh, And I think it's like 20% of songwriters are women. So it is really frustrating. Back to Harry Styles, his debut album. Okay, so the debut album, like I said, Jeff Basker, who is this really well-known producer, worked on it. Harry really wanted Jeff Basker's involvement with his debut music because he's worked with so many different artists. Like we said, Jay-Z, Mark Ronson, Fun. Jeff doesn't really have like a sound. There are certain producers where you know that they produced a song. Yeah. Like Max Martin or Timbaland. Or Jack Antonoff. Yes, Jack Antonoff has a very distinct sound. Jeff Basker does not have that. And some producers just don't have that, which can be definitely a benefit because they can work with literally anyone, anyone. But he also kind of helped maintain a cohesiveness throughout the album. And you do see a little bit of that in the documentary. The critical reception for this album, Rolling Stone said it was the ultimate fusion of Mick Jagger's yin to Paul McCartney's yang, which I actually think is a perfect description of this album. The overall sound, it's a true rock album, very different than One Direction, like we said. He wasn't copying what everyone in the industry was already doing. He threw no. it all the way back a few yeah. decades. Yeah. He wasn't on the scene trying to compete with every other. It's not like he was like, oh, I'm going to try to emulate Justin Bieber sound. Yeah. 
they're very different. He was right. like, I'm just going to go in this direction. And he definitely could have tried to bend like a Bieber at this time mm-hmm. too, if he really wanted to. And he didn't, he chose to go the nostalgia route, which I think was super smart. And Madam Daly kind of talked about this when we spoke with her, that there wasn't really, there really hasn't been like a big rock band on the charts aside from like the 1975 which is basically a boy band people (laughs) oh they are a boy band we were literally talking about this in the car right on the way here we're like we need a 1975 boy band episode (laughs) yes that would be so fun but another artist that within the rock space that at least the debut album sounds really similar to is jake bug and what's interesting i don't know if you guys have heard jake bug's music you probably have lightning bolt two fingers anyway he's a british singer songwriter type He actually has mm, said some not-so-great words about One Direction and Harry Styles in the past. (laughs) Because think about it. He's he's trying to be this, like, cool rocker guy, and he's exactly the same age as Harry Styles, so he's going to be compared to in some ways. It's just interesting, despite Jake Bugg's disdain for Harry Styles in One Direction, that their music actually sounds pretty similar. <laughs> Jake Bug's debut album came out in 2012, and his sophomore release, Shangri-La, came out in 2013. So they, this was like peak One Direction years. So it's just I now have a beef with this man named Jake Bug. <laughs> <laughs> so this album, compared to the next two albums that come after it, you hear so much more influence on this album from other artists, like pretty much direct samples from other artists. And it's interesting because after, especially after talking to Vibe Machine's Logan Grimay, I kind of have a better understanding for Harry Styles' one, HS1, as some of the fans call it. But when you're a new musician and you're trying to create your own music, a lot of the times, kind of a hack of what people do is they'll take direct inspirations of songs that they really like and make it their own. So it kind of makes sense why Harry has this approach on Harry Styles 1. And as we go through each of these songs, there are a lot of songs that sound almost identical to the songs that Harry created in this album. (laughs) So, But the singles from this album are Sign of the Times, Two Ghosts, and Kiwi. So three singles off of this album, all released in 2017. Feels like a lifetime ago. My gosh. I know it does. I mean, that was six years ago. It was. Sit down. No, it wasn't. It was three years ago because the pandemic doesn't (laughs) make. (laughs) Three years in pandemic time. Three years pandemic time. Yes, exactly. Circling back. Circling. We're meeting in the hallway. (laughs) Meet me in the hallway. (laughs) Written by Harry Styles, Tyler Johnson, Mitch Rowland, Jeff Basker, Alex Salbian. And Ryan Nashti. You see most of these names throughout his entire discography, so I'm not going to re-say any of these names, but I will mention if someone new is on or if there's any notable people on it. So Meet Me in the Hallway, first song in the album. It sounds very similar with the bass to Ramble On by Led Zeppelin. Pause this podcast and take a listen to it. You can't unhear that song within this song. It immediately gives a setting of a 60s, 70s rock vibe to this entire album. And it's an interesting song choice on a debut album, just like Sign of the Times is an interesting debut single off of your solo career but anyway we'll get to actually we're at sign of the times yay (laughs) so sign of the times lead debut single like i said biggest hit off of the album no question most streams most known song off of this entire album the song it's pop rock soft rock 
piano ballad with some glam rock influences. Like I said, it's an interesting choice for a debut album. I think that it really surprised a lot of people. It feels like a really big building song. I feel like we've talked about how maybe it's like One Direction songs, songs you need to scream, sing in an arena or a stadium. Although, you know what? I'm going to contradict myself here and say I would feel just as comfortable scream singing Sign of the Times in an arena as I would in my shower. (laughs) I'm not going to be good at either one, but... This is a song that makes me want to belt it out. Mm. I'm just thinking of the climax of Sign of the Times. Like, you got to go away. (laughs) Just it builds. He does a really good job of building within this song. Just thinking of the scene from Pitch Perfect. The song really builds. Gross. (laughs) It really goes to show that right off the bat, Harry is making the music that he truly wants to make. From the documentary, Harry talks about how the song comes together. And he actually wrote it pretty quickly. He wrote the lyrics pretty quickly. And then when they got all of the music and everything, total amount of time to make this whole entire recording, three hours, which is pretty impressive. One interesting part is the lyrics were initially supposed to be fucking running from the bullet. But then Harry's manager, Jeffrey Azoff, suggested changing it to stuck here, pronounced stuck in, running from the bullet. And it has the same impact, which was so right. And that made it a little bit more radio friendly, too. I also like I'm just thinking of like, why are we always stuck and running from the bullet? Why are we always fucking running from the bullet? Like, I don't know, like stuck. I feel like that's an even deeper lyric of why are we always stuck and running from it? Why are we so stagnant? Why aren't we growing? Why aren't we evolving versus I mean, yeah, I mean, fucking is a great word to use but so much more impactful yeah I think so too and I think the s word how it's enunciated I think it it definitely creates an even bigger impact in my opinion making the sign of the times music video and hanging from the helicopter (laughs) yes I remember seeing like a still photo and being like what is this boy about to do what is it with Harry Styles and like hanging from the air like he's done that in so many music videos I just think Harry Styles is somebody who's up for anything. And when somebody approaches him, he's like, what if we swung you from a helicopter? He's like, I love it. Let's do it. (laughs) Well, it's funny because in the documentary, he was like, at first it was supposed to be 20 feet. And then it turned into 1,500 feet. (laughs) Poor Harry. God love him. But given how clumsy he is, we're lucky we got him back after the helicopter. (laughs) Oh, man. Sorry, I guess I never realized I've never seen the Sign of the Times music video. So as uh, we're talking and I have it pulled up watching it, what are they doing to him? (laughs) Like, is he literally just like suspended by some ropes? And they're like, just don't worry. We've got you. (laughs) Don't look down. Don't look up. Just look straight. You should watch the documentary because Harry is just like, yep, going to do it. (laughs) It's so cute. Also, I guess what I, I I thought that it was going to be like a tropical hanging no. from a helicopter. Like, no, 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 no. This gives me like Ireland vibes. It's definitely Ireland or Scotland. He looks, he looks like, like Harry Potter. Potter. <laughs> <laughs> a little I just, bit. I just got huge Harry Potter vibes looking at like, I don't know, the cliffs and I don't know, a British man wearing a jumper. And I think this is when his style was also the most similar to what he wore in One Direction. The peacoat vibe, clean cut peacoat blazer preppy british-esque look he carried over into at least the sign of the times video i mean he's obviously i think strayed a little bit more into feather boas and sparkles which is wonderful the backstory of how it's a message of a mother that she has been told that a child is going to be born but she will die Quote, the song is written from a point of view as if a mother was giving birth to a child and there's a complication. The mother is told the child is fine, but you're not going to make it. The mother has five minutes to tell the child go forth and conquer. 
And I can really see that. I'm just looking at the lyric, you can't bribe the door on your way to the sky. That's so sad. And like, what a beautiful way of saying, you can't bribe your way into heaven. You can't bribe your way to come see me. It's beautifully written. Just stop your crying. It'll be all right. She's literally saying, don't worry about me. It'll be okay. You go. go. We'll be all right. Yeah. Have the time of your life. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to cry. It's so influenced by David Bowie, Space Oddity, Imagine by John Lennon. It it has a very similar feeling to Imagine. Funds, We Are Young, because it kind of has that nostalgic Mm. thing to it, but a little sad. And Jeff Basker called it an instant classic sounding record from conception to completion. What's interesting about this song is that it was released on the 30th anniversary of Prince's song, Sign of the Times, even though it doesn't sound anything like that song. It's a beautiful song. It is. It is a really beautiful song. And like I said, whenever he sings it, I'm just like, oh, it represents a beginning to me, which is interesting because with the backstory, that represents an ending. But I guess it also represents the beginning. Exactly. Yep. And that is life. Yep. So the next song is Carolina. It sounds almost identical to Stuck in the Middle with You by Steeler's Wheels and Devil's Haircut by Beck with the percussion, the bass, and the chord progression. Okay, so the next song's really interesting. So Two Ghosts was written with his collaborators, but also John Ryan and Julian Bonetta, who he worked on with One Direction. And actually, this song was originally wrote for Made in the AM, which is why John Ryan and Julian Bonetta are involved in this song. Interesting. Yeah, so I, after re-listening to the song, I was like, oh yeah, I could kind of see this being on a One Direction album. I noticed that pattern in a lot of Harry Styles songs is I'm like, oh, I could have seen this on four. I could have seen this on this. I could have seen that on. Yeah, it definitely is a little bit more mature in content. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Yeah, it's like musically, it sounds like it could belong, not necessarily lyrically. Yeah. So this song, Two Ghosts, sounds a little bit like Almond Brothers' Melissa with the guitar, as well as George Harrison's All Things Must Pass. George Harrison, another famous ex-boy bander. Yes. (laughs) And arguably the best Beatle, in my personal opinion. Oh, not me about to ask who, what band was George Harrison on? No. <laughs> so sorry. Oh, boy. <laughs> I was also born in 1996. I don't know when they broke up, but it was a long time before then. <laughs> George Harrison has been dead for a very long time. Uh, yeah, it were early 2000s, I think. Was he the one that was murdered? No, no that, that was John was, Lennon. That was John Lennon. George Harrison died lived. of cancer. Yeah. Oh, the poor thing. And then there's Paul McCartney, and then there's Ringo, who uh, narrates Thomas the Train. <laughs> Thomas the Tank Engine? Yeah, Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> yeah. Narrated by uh, Ringo Starr. That's how I know Ringo Starr personally. That's actually true. That's how I knew Ringo Starr when I was a kid too. But Paul McCartney's still kicking it. I think he's like 80. So Ringo's probably about the same age or a little bit older, I think, because I think Paul was the youngest. But anyway. 82. Damn. So Two Ghosts. Lyrically, this is about a relationship that did not last and trying to reclaim a sense of humanity after a relationship ends. There is speculation that this could be about Taylor Swift because of the references to All Too Well and Style within this song. And the BBC Radio 1 asked Harry Styles about this, and in response, he said, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. So take that what you will. (laughs) I still think the biggest clapback song was perfect from One Direction. That was very clearly, in my opinion, a call a response to Taylor Swift. I mean, absolutely. Like vi- visually in the music video, they it mirrors the style music video. So to me, that is the most clear song. 
One hundred percent. Now I'm just singing "Perfect" by One Direction. <laughs> it's a perfect song. Sorry. So the next song is "Sweet Creature," and yes, this is a good one. Such a sweet song. Really sweet song. So Harry worked with Kid Harpoon on this one, who was another frequent collaborator of his, and it's a stripped down acoustic folk song. It feels very warm. His vocals are also great here, very delicate and angelic, which I love. And it sounds very similar to the, at least the guitar does, Blackbird by the Beatles, speaking of the Beatles. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I see that a lot. Yeah. And also um, Never Going Back Again by Fleetwood Mac. And Hey There Delilah by the Plain White Tees. I think it's the plucky guitar. Yes, that's what it is. It's the plucky guitar. And like you just all just said, they're all just like sweet songs. I don't know. Exactly. Like, Yacht rock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're yacht rock stands, aren't we? <laughs> if anybody has a yacht that we can rock on, we'll bring the playlist. <laughs> We're trying to test a theory here. <laughs> okay, so the line, when I run out of road, you bring me home. The way I'm interpreting that is like, when I'm at my wit's end, I have nothing else to give. Like, you bring me home. You bring me back to base. You are my home while I'm away from home. Wherever I go, you bring me home. Yes. Yeah. When I run out of road, you bring me home. You'll bring me home. It's a very sweet song and just the sentiment that you will always lead me home. You are my home. And no matter how far I go, no matter how down I get, I can always know that you will be at the end of the road for me. Well, I was going to say, like, I don't know if any man said when I run out of road, you bring me home. I'd be like, okay, I love you too. This is great. (laughs) I was saying this earlier to Lizzie. If you look at Taylor Swift lyrics and then you hear them and I'm like, We've been unpacking, apparently. Sweet Nothing is a breakup song. I'm like, excuse me? No, that's a sweet... I just want to... It's a lovey-dovey song, not a breakup song. But when you look at the lyrics, you're like, oh, shit, that's a breakup song. Just kind of like Sweet Creature is kind of a sad song. and It, it is a sad song. It appears to be very light and airy, but the lyrics are pretty a little bit more deep when you look into it a little bit more. I just want you also to know that I'm looking at the lyrics for Only Angel and I'm singing it to Kiwi in my head. She's an angel. Only angel. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> but anyway, so the so Only Angel kind of sounds like Rolling Stones and Electric Light Orchestras Don't Bring Me Down. It sounds very similar to that. Next is Kiwi. We love Kiwi. Hallie was saying that's like a song that she would rise from the dead for. <laughs> so I have two songs when I am I don't know. Like, you know, you you have your song. You can go from zero to 100. The first one is Shake That by Eminem. (laughs) (laughs) But my second song is Kiwi by Harry Styles. There has been so many times where I will just put in my headphones because I don't want to be a noxious neighbor and I will blast it and I will go from like just walking around my apartment to all of a sudden I'm doing high kicks and I am jumping. You have to bring the energy when you listen to Kiwi. And it's funny. I watched the Elvis movie a couple of weeks ago and it was just so interesting to watch the part where he started to sing. I think it was You Ain't Nothing But a Hound Dog when he first started it off. And then like the girls were just going from zero to screaming. And they're literally, they all of a sudden became feral listening to this song. Right. And I feel feral listening to Kiwi. <laughs> I feel like something is crawling out of me and I have to just emerge when I listen to that song. It's such a good song. Yeah, feral. That's that's how I describe it. Very high energy Definitely my favorite song on the album for sure. Totally different energy than Sign of the Times. Like could not be more opposite. They're opposite ends of the spectrum. And I'm also looking at the lyrics and like, it's New York, baby, always jacked up. (laughs) I forget that that's not the first lyric of the song. It's the second verse. 
And I always think, like, when I think of Kiwi, the first thing that comes into my mind is it's New York baby always jacked up. So to me, that's how the song starts. And then I'm like, and then I stop and listen to it or look at the lyrics and I'm like, oh, just kidding. You Mm -hmm. climb a ladder with this song. So you already feel like you're so high when it gets to it's New York baby always jacked up. But it's just like, oh, but you've already started. You've been climbing for a while. You have been climbing. And that's, that's like... That's like the energy. It like feels like you're like building and building and building and building. And then all of a sudden, I'm having you a baby. But no, this is a hype song. Like to address the reason why it's called Kiwi. Yeah, does anyone know why it's called Kiwi? Oh, yes, I know why it's called Kiwi. When the sperm approaches the egg, you know how there's like a thousand sperm that surround the egg and then one of the sperm eventually makes it through. It looks like when you cut a Kiwi, the white huh. part is the egg and the black parts are the sperm. Yeah, look at that. Huh. <laughs> Look at do you see? You know what? American education in terms of sexual health has really failed me because if they had explained this in terms of fruit, maybe I'd understand it a little bit more. <laughs> well, earlier on the way here, I'm like, why is it called kiwi? He never says the word kiwi. And that's why. Uh-huh. The more you know. Wow. I mean, it is definitely his most uh sexually explicit song on that album. For sure. Ever since New York, Harry performed this on SNL. Sounds very similar to Meet Me in the Hallway. It kind of has that same 70s rock vibe to it. Next is Woman. This sounds almost identical to Benny and the Jets. It does. (laughs) Woman. Yeah. Uh, The beginning of it, should we search for romantic comedies on Netflix? Like, Harry has a thing for rom-coms, and I love it. He's man after our hearts. And there's something about the duck noises in that. (laughs) It just makes that song sound so unique. The next song is from The Dining Table, and the lyrics and the sound of this is reminds me so much of Jeff Buckley's Lover, You Should Have Come Over, which is one of my favorite songs of all time. And we actually mentioned it on this podcast before. <laughs> uh, other songs that did not make the album, Just a Little Bit of Your Heart, which Harry wrote well I don't know if he wrote it for Ariana Grande but Ariana ended up recording a version of that song Medicine which was cut from the album which of course we know Harry performs live Anna which was cut from the album which Harry has also performed live and then his cover of Girl Crush which was eventually released and recorded the tour that supported this album was Harry live on tour (laughs) which predated Harry's love on tour we can't wait for laugh on tour I was just gonna say what comes next Okay, so now we're at Fine Line. So Stevie Nicks called it his rumors, and I could not agree more. Sometimes I listen to this album, and I'm like, how did so many good songs come off of one album? And I think it it was the perfect transition record from here's my debut to then Harry's House, which was an explosion. Yeah, and I think that this album was really the album that defined Harry Styles as the Harry Styles that we know today. Yes. I mean, his whole entire style within his fashion, as well as the music, I feel like he really came to his his own within this album. And he's still taking influence from music from the 60s, 70s, and a little bit of the 80s, but it's less evident, I would say, within this album than the last album. This album had the longest album cycle because of COVID because it was released December 2019 and a few months later a pandemic hit (laughs) so there were seven singles that were released on this album in between 
late 2019 to late 2021. Seven singles being released from the same album over a two-year lifespan. That's insane. I think it almost benefited Harry in some ways. I don't know that this is necessarily a fair comparison, but I'm going to do it anyways. But, you know, he dropped this in, would we say December? December 2019. Okay. And then COVID came a few months later and he really stretched it out. Whereas Niall's second album came out the week of COVID, really exploding in the US. Yeah. And it faded. Yeah. And again, I don't know that that's a necessarily fair comparison because if Niall had had three months worth of album time for it to sit, maybe the outcome would have been different. Yeah. But it's just really interesting how COVID can benefit some artists and destroy, not destroy, because I don't think Niall was destroyed, but like no. really put the brakes on others. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think it's an unfair comparison. A lot of the artists that released music pre-pandemic, like um, a month to three months prior, everything was stretched out. Backstreet Boys is also a good example of their album kind of having this like longevity, like long time. Um, because if your tour got delayed and you already had it scheduled, you already had the built-in fan base and then it just kind of grew and snowballed. So I think that that's exactly what happened to Harry. And then with Niall, people were distracted. Yeah, and I don't remember him really promoting the album. But again, it, it came, Niall's release was the same week as COVID exploding in the US. So like if he had had those extra few months, he may have fallen into the category of Harry and the Backstreet Boys. But what was he going to do? Be like, oh, I know people are dying and we're clapping pots for healthcare heroes right now, but please go listen to Black and White. Like there was no way he could have really promoted that. So I think it was an album that kind of faded. Whereas when you had a couple extra months or alternatively, if you're Taylor Swift and released during the summer, of COVID 2020 things had sort of calmed down a little but anyone who was releasing music in March of 2020 I'm so sorry critically this album actually got mixed reviews at the beginning and then as people discovered it more and more the reviews magically got better (laughs) (laughs) which is just really interesting people were like actually we were a little bit harsh on this guy (laughs) before and now we, we really like it and it's just it's interesting how people's biases can really come into the forefront when it comes to criticisms especially with an artist that's coming from a boy band so I feel like this album has four phases. It's I'm happy and in love. The second is I'm on drugs. Third, I'm sad. Fourth, I'm on drugs again. Fifth, now I'm happy again. <laughs> Prove me wrong, but I'm pretty sure that this is the course of the album. A lot of people actually say that this is Harry's best album to date. I disagree, but I understand where people may be coming from. People feel like the melodies are a little bit catchier. There's more of like a catchy song. Like there's no watermelon sugar on Harry's Mm -hmm. house. I disagree just because of how much I love Harry's house, but I do think this is a great album. There's also more vulnerability on this album with falling cherry and to be so lonely. The perspective is coming from Harry's perspective. He's not talking about other people. He's talking about his own personal experiences, at least within the context of the song. And so to have that vulnerability on this album and that lacking on Harry's house, that's another win for Fine Line for sure. So like I said, there's seven singles off of this album. There's Lights Up, Adore You, Falling, Watermelon Sugar, Golden, Treat People With Kindness, and Fine Line. 
Was Lights Up the like lead single? Okay, so Lights Up was the lead single. Interesting, because I always think of Adore You as the defining lead song off of this. And I feel like every album is defined by its lead single in some sense. When you think of X, you think of Y. When I think of Harry Styles 1, I think of Sign of the Times. When I think of Harry's House, I think of As It Was. And with Fine Line, I always think of Adore You. So the first song off of the album is Golden. So this is Harry's I'm in Love phase. Yes. (laughs) Again, you see the same collaborators. We've got Kid Harpoon, Tyler Johnson, and Mitch Rowland on this, produced by Tyler Johnson as well. It's a soft rock, 70s-inspired, kind of indie-ish song. Mitch on the glockenspiel is great on this song. And yes, glockenspiel is just as fun to say on a podcast as it is in real life. Uh, And this was also released as a single, like I said. And the music video is just Harry running down the Amalfi Coast, which, which iconic. That checks for that song. It makes me want to run down the Amalfi Coast. (laughs) It makes me want to dock my yacht and run down the Amalfi Coast. Honestly, I think Golden is such an iconic song. It is the perfect opening song on an album because it sounds like the opening song that you would have at a concert. The, hey, you have a minute before it like jumps into the lyrics and then it's the, the deeper Golden golden it almost contradicts itself because the way it starts off you think it's gonna be like a loud crazy like kiwi and then it mellows down he's just standing there and i know we'll get to this in a second but i'm so sorry golden watermelon sugar and adore you for your first three tracks what a hot start to an album it's it's such a strong start that is a that is a stacked track list to get your album going i think that's another reason why people think fine line is the more superior of all the albums because it's it's stacked at the beginning so well. The only other album I can think that stacks songs that well is 1989. Blank Space, Style, Out of the Woods. Agreed. Agreed. So Watermelon Sugar, <laughs> iconic Harry Styles song. And <laughs> Harry won his first Grammy with this song. And it was his first number one single. I love how even on a song where he's singing about watermelon, he's still talking about strawberries. This man loves his fruit. <laughs> this is why we call him the fruit man. Kiwi, watermelon, sugar, cherry, strawberries. Like this man is incapable of writing songs without fruit references. Yes. And this was released May 2020, has a song of the summer type of feel to it. Even though we were in the midst of a global pandemic, he still captured all of our hearts. I was going to say, like, I mean, this song has always been like, what is it about? I mean, it is. It's a sexy song. It, yeah. In the most politically correct way, this song is about the joys of mutually appreciated oral pleasure. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So the man literally says, I just want to taste it. <laughs> like, what do we think he's talking about? It's not watermelon. <laughs> I just want to taste it. So, yeah, super fun, pleasing to the ear. Pleasing to other areas. Yep. <laughs> Groovy, really good bass line. Love the horns and the percussion in this song. It's just a, it's a great, solid pop song. Also, love to see a man singing about, frankly, female pleasure. Yes, we love we love that. The Main does an incredible cover of Watermelon Sugar as a, just another boy band. Yes. Really, really great. Yes. Like, it's a little bit more rocky. Anyways, adore you. Adore you. So... That is a slow clap for Harry Styles finally working with a female songwriter on a song. Yes. Is that his first time? Yes. Oh, God. Isn't that sad? It is. Shout out to Amy Allen. She also has a songwriting credit for Halsey's Without Me. 
Adore You kind of has a similar baseline to Watermelon Sugar, but it also just has its own vibe. Harry said on Tiny Desk when he did that interview and little concert that it's about a fish. And he said that jokingly because the music video has the fish in it. But it really is about the initial lust for when you first start seeing someone. We've already talked about this, but I love when he performed this live and he does the low harmony in the chorus. And then finally in the in the final verse, he does the actual melody in the song that we that we recognize. Love the song. Catchy. Again, another like solid catchy pop song on this album. Just feels like he's singing it to an anxiety girly who's like, he's like, don't worry. Just let me love you. Let me (laughs) adore you. I'll take care of it. To go along with that, like the lyrics of you don't have to say you love me. I just want to tell you something lately. You've been on my mind. That is just, I'm just going to, you're just, you've been on my mind. You don't have to say you love me. You don't have to say that you want me. You just, you've been on my mind and I had to let you know. That's just so sweet too. Yeah. Next is Lights Up. So this is phase two of the album. I'm on drugs. drugs. (laughs) Definitely a 70s influence, pop rock, maybe a little bit of disco influence as well. This was actually released on National Coming Out Day. Oh, interesting. Yes. And Harry performed this on SNL and he performed it a little bit slowed down and it's just gorgeous. And he also has this like bedazzled black jumpsuit too, which just is iconic. (laughs) I mean, the lyrics do sort of match up to National Coming Out Day. Step into the light. I'm not ever going back. Step into the light. So bright sometimes. All the lights couldn't put out the dark running through my heart. Like, that's... And that's not to say that we're saying, oh, this song is about his experience, to be very clear. Yeah. We're just saying that those are really beautiful lyrics. Yep. And they do coincide with that. So continuing on the I'm on drugs journey is Cherry, (laughs) which is definitely like this delicate acoustic folk song. It has a big build with the drums. This made the set list on Coachella 2022. And it starts off with these like cuckoos and the French at the beginning too. Definitely a vulnerable song for sure. Next is Falling. My all time favorite Harry Styles song. Yes. Phase three, I'm sad on this album. Oh, it's so sad. (laughs) So this is probably Harry Styles' most vulnerable song to date. It's this soft rock piano ballad. It's it's beautiful. Yeah, the, the lyrics are just so vulnerable. I don't know any other way to describe it. I'm well aware that I write too many songs about you. What if I'm someone I don't want around? Whole, like I have legitimate full body chills right now just thinking about what if I'm someone you won't talk about indicating that what he might have done is so bad to this person that you don't talk about them. How many people have exes where it's like, oh, we don't talk about so-and-so. And he's saying, am I that person for you? Did I mess this up that badly? Am I somebody that you never want to be around? I'm somebody that I don't want to be around. How do I fix it? It's just, it's such a heartbreaking song because you get the two different perspectives of like, okay, sir, you clearly messed up enough that they have left and they are not someone you want to talk about. But it's just also so heartbreaking because it's like, but he's sorry. Take him back. He didn't mean it. Mm -hmm. What if I'm down? What if I'm out? It's a song of just questioning everything. Do we think this song could be about infidelity too? Oh, I have always interpreted this that he cheated and they left and he's paying the consequences of it. Of like he is realizing, oh, I threw away the one thing, good thing that I had going for me because I a hot piece of ass walked by there's no one to blame but the drink in my wandering hands like yeah he's literally to me that's saying i got drunk i had wandering hands and now i'm look what i've done right just the deep deep regret of that i feel like 
in relationships, cheating is that big thing of just like, if you have an ex that cheats, yeah, you're not going to talk about them. And yeah, you would hate yourself if you got drunk and you cheated on a partner that you're incredibly in love with. And like, this is a good thing going. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be around myself either if I did that. It's interesting though, because the next song to be so lonely, it's very self-deprecating. So again, I'm sad. I'm the worst person. I'm an arrogant son of a bitch, according to the song, but it's very self-aware again, very vulnerable. The next song is she. So this is the next phase is I'm on drugs again. (laughs) And this has a very like, I don't know how else to say it, but it's like an acid trip of a song. It's got that 70s vibe to it. The song is six minutes long. So it's like a jam band song. (laughs) There's a super long guitar solo that you see in a lot of 70s rock songs. The next is Sunflower continuing on in the I'm on drugs journey. (laughs) Sunflower. Sunflower. Another like mushroom trip song. <laughs> Same cuckoos sounds from Cherry, which are repurposed in the song. Oh, this was also written and produced by Greg Kirsten, which is interesting. Greg Kirsten's done a lot of stuff with the Jonas Brothers. The next is Canyon Moon. <laughs> this is about Laurel Canyon in Los Angeles, which is right next to the Hollywood Hills. It's kind of an iconic spot for hippies back in this in the late 60s, early 70s, for those who don't know. And Sounds like Crosby, Stills, and Nash. It's also allegedly supposed to be a tribute to Joni Mitchell as well. Mm, I can mm. see that. Mm-hmm. Now we're on to treat people with kindness. Treat people with kindness. So this is phase six. I'm happy and content <laughs> on the <laughs> album. He is happy on this song. So it sounds very Broadway, almost identical to Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah. Jesus Christ Superstar. Treat people with kindness. It's almost exactly I- identical. <laughs> Released as a single. It was the last single on this album. Really fun music video. This needs to be in a musical. If there's ever like a Harry Styles <laughs> musical, this. I'm so excited about the prospect of this. <laughs> it needs to be a musical and there needs to be a conga line in the musical dance. <laughs> I was going to say, this song is impossible for me to listen to without immediately thinking to every show where the fans do the conga line. And that's usually when they're doing, they're doing the conga line, but that's also usually when somebody tosses a pride flag to him. Yeah. And it just feels like a very, like, be you, be proud, be kind. It's a great message overall. Okay, so we're done with Fine Line. Oh, wait, wait. No, we have the, Fine Line. We have Fine Line left, which, honestly, if I were to skip any song on this album, it's probably <laughs> the last one. Sounds like a Bonnie Vare song, and that's really my only note. Yeah, I'm. it's not a showstopper for me. I mean, he literally just says, we'll be a Fine Line, like, 87 times. Yeah. Okay, so now we're on to Harry's House. This is the album that turned me into somebody who... Previously, I was like, oh, yeah, I like Harry Styles. I liked him better in One Direction, but, like, he's he's fine, too. Oh, my God, I will travel to New York City to see this man. <laughs> so this album, overall, it's a great pop album. I say if you were to listen to this and have the full experience, go put on some good headphones or get this on vinyl because the low harmonies on this album just take it up a notch to a whole different level it provides you with a different experience and also showcases all of the layers within this album and i think we can all agree that this is our favorite not only our favorite harry styles album to date but i think this is his best album to date as well vocally 
it's the best album as well. His vocals continue to grow and be impressive. There's so many little vocal moments on this entire album that make it just really fun to listen to. And I feel like I almost, I almost rediscover something different every single time I listen to it. Yeah. Uh, the sound engineering, like I said, is awesome and impressive. It just sounds beautiful. It sounds like a work of art. Like it really does. It's overall no skips album. There's probably one that I would skip and, and kind of to what Hallie was saying, it's more of like the sadder songs. If you're mm-hmm. in your feels, you probably don't want to listen to it at that point in time. Anna, I have such a distinct memory of the day this came out and texting you and yeah. being like, no skip. Yeah. To the next one. Oh my God, this is so good too. Yes. And being like throughout the day, just being like, oh my God, this album is incredible. And you were like, I know. It really, like I said, I had COVID when this came out. It was I was in like the height of my COVID sickness and it really did help me through it. <laughs> Yeah, I was just lying in bed and I just had this on my phone and just listening to it on repeat. It was it was great. When he performs songs off of this album live, they're just really showcased so nicely, especially with all of the members of his band. They're made to be live. They're made to be live. This is an album that this is a an album. It's like this a movie. An <laughs> <laughs> a real movie. No, this is like a real music album. Listen to it on vinyl with a good set of headphones. Yeah. Go to the show. This is an album for people who love music. Yeah. There's a lot of single word setting visual imagery like Polaroids stitched together in a narrative. Mm-hmm. Really interesting new ways that he's thinking about lyrics and all that. Harry on this album really just tells us about the things that make him happy. It's honestly like I'm going to make this comparison and people are going to probably not be happy, but once you understand it, you'll get it. His lyric style is actually very similar to Rich Cronin and LFO, and I'll make some comparisons when we get to it. But trust me, it's very similar. Trust the process. Trust the the expert. Trust the boy band expert. (laughs) Just continuing to work with the same group of collaborators and like, well, obviously they work well. We'd love to see him kind of expand that. And again, this is not criticism that is isolated to Harry Styles. This is a criticism that I think I and we have for other artists who is not a we're not coming for Harry Styles. We're simply saying let's diversify a bit. Harry's next album, I really hope that he does because... I think it'll allow him to grow even more as an artist and be able to have a little bit of a different sound to him that he may not even think of. And it may help him to think outside the box a little bit and keep reinventing himself. I really hope that Harry Styles is like Bowie in that sense where he kind of has different eras. Not to, I feel like Taylor Swift has kind of incorporated that term eras, but yeah. <laughs> But I think that's just such a cool thing that an artist can do is have different eras of what their music sounds like. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love an artist where they always sound the same and you know what to expect when you go into it. But there's also just something so beautiful about opening up an album for the first time. And you're like, what am I going to get? Am I going to get this? Am I going to get that? I think it's fun. So Music for a Sushi Restaurant is the first song off of this album. I thought it was a really awesome choice to have as the first song really kind of kicks it up a notch yeah I think the horns you come roaring into that album and I just think it's what a way to open an album yeah it sounds very Phil Collins-esque and I'm not the hugest Phil Collins fan but I actually think it really works with the with the drums and the beat and the bass line there's a little bit of scatting too which is super fun and entertaining 
I just love how like it's just laid out. Everything is layered and laid out in the song and lots of visual imagery in the song too. Yeah. Well, I, I like, I love the beat and I love the like jazziness of the song, but also like the lyrics, I feel like get a little bit more deep instead of flat out saying, be like, you're just really hot. He says, green eyes, fried rice. I could cook an egg on you. Like that's just such a creative <laughs> way to be like, you are so hot. I could cook an egg on you. It's very creative. I, I, I really like this song. It, it's yeah, it's got some funk to it. It's a funky song. Yeah. I remember the, uh, the day the album came out, I ordered sushi and I was sitting there eating my <laughs> sushi in my apartment, dancing to music in a sushi restaurant. And I was like, ooh, yes, this is the perfect music for it. <laughs> okay, so Late Night Talking. So this one's my favorite song on the album. Uh, when he performed this at Coachella, I was like, I need this song now. <laughs> Another song that's just great performed live. I love the big brassy sound mixed with some synth in there. I was not surprised that this was the second single because it's it's definitely the catchiest song on the album, in, in my opinion. Very radio-friendly song. Very mm-hmm. radio-friendly. All right, next is Grape Juice. Justice for grape juice. Another fruit song. Yes. <laughs> Even though it's technically about wine, but wine is yes. made of fruit. So <laughs> it is a shame that this was not performed live. This is I, I wanted him to do this in concert because it is just such an excellent song. Not that I mean, every Harry Styles song is excellent, but justice for grape juice. I've heard this and I don't know if we talked about this or if I saw this somewhere else. But the reason why he doesn't perform this live is because it actually is very challenging vocally because of all the falsettos. Mm, yeah, he sense. like indicated the fan had a sign like justice for grape juice and he was like it's too hard (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh it makes me want to grab a picnic blanket and just be in love and have a bottle of rouge the great in 1982 (laughs) you could definitely tell this was him just being bored with a bottle of wine in the height of the pandemic (laughs) (laughs) i i just i love that song it's probably one of my favorites off of the album i don't know if it's my the favorite but every time i hear i'm like Oh, I love this song. Do you guys remember Demi Lovato said something or posted something on Instagram and was like, you know, there's so many love songs, but there's no love songs about mozzarella sticks. (laughs) She's not wrong. (laughs) So it's kind of like that. There's not a lot of love songs about wine. (laughs) There's always like the saying, there's not enough love songs about wine and there's not enough rap music about staying in on a Friday night and saving money. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. So the next is As It Was, which just was everywhere when it came out. Come on, out. Harry. We want to say goodnight to you. I love that that's, who, it's his it's goddaughter. His goddaughter. That's so cute. And she left him a voicemail. She's like, come on, Harry, we want to say goodnight to you. Hurry up, call me back. I'm ready for bed. I love it. This is a song that really grew on me. When it first came out, I was like, oh, if this is setting the tone for Harry's house, I'm not sure I'm going to be thrilled. But I actually don't think it is representative of the album. It feels different. But I've also come to really enjoy it. It's deeper than I think sometimes people are like, it's such a happy, upbeat song. Mm. And I'm like, ooh, Harry, you're no good alone. Yeah. Like, ooh, that hurts. Again, kind of going back to it is a feel good kind of song lyrically. But once you take off a layer of it and really dig in, you're like, oh, wait, this is actually like kind of sad. If he played this acoustically, people would genuinely be like, are you okay?" Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. And I think it gets disguised by the like, mm-hmm. and people are like, oh, how fun and poppy. Yeah. And it is. But then you listen to the lyrics, and you're like, oh, gosh. I'm just realizing now, it kind of reminds me of Pumped Up Kicks. A mm, little bit. 
because it has that light, nice melody. Mm-hmm. So this song technically samples Take On Me, but it's not credited, which I thought was interesting. Interesting. Yeah. The other thing, too, about this whole album is that there's a lot of references to drugs and drinking. And particularly in this song, What Kind of Pills Are You On? Mm-hmm. Um, as long as you're, do you know, I'm not here to judge Harry at all, but I just hope he's doing things safely. Yeah. <laughs> and I hope he's doing them safely and to have fun and not to have to feel like he needs to escape reality. To like, cope. yeah. Yeah. That's you, true. You can't drink to cope. You can only drink to have fun. Right. Exactly. Okay. So the next song is Daylight. This is my favorite song on the album. This is, I was going to say, I think this is one of mine. It is like just, it's that sweet song. I love the music of it. The line of dip you in honey so I can be sticking to you. Like that's just so. It's great. If I was a bluebird, I would fly to you. But also you've got me cursing the daylight. In a way it feels kind of sexy of, oh, you've got me cursing the daylight because I can't wait to spend the night with you. Yeah. It's a really sweet song. I love it. Makes me happy to listen to it. The music video that was done for $300 by James Corden. (laughs) Chaos. Yeah, it was chaos, but also (laughs) lucky people that that happened to. One thing to note about this particular song is the low harmonies are just incredible. Again, if you have the headphones and if you have a vinyl record of this, please make sure to listen to the song specifically for the low harmonies alone. It just, it creates all of these layers to it. The next song is Little Freak. This is my favorite song. Yes. I think that it could have been on four. It also could have been on Fine Line, too. Yeah. I feel like it kind of has this similar sound to it. This is definitely the song that stands out to me the most as this could be a One Direction song. Mm -hmm. But I also love that there's three verses. I feel like a lot of the times with songs, you get two verses, Mm -hmm. bridge, Mm -hmm. and you get three mm-hmm. and every time I think the song's gonna end I'm like no there's another verse red wine and ginger ale but you would make fun of me for sure also you never saw my birthmark do you know where his birthmark is where is it I it's on know. his back so he's indicating that I never turned my back on you you oh. never saw my birthmark whoa wow that's really deep wow. I know but like even if you don't know where the birthmark is birthmarks especially like if you're indicating you've never seen it usually indicates that it's covered it's a layer of vulnerability you never saw this part of me I think it's such a beautiful a th- uh, beautiful thong <laughs> it's That's a beautiful thong <laughs> I'm not worried about where you are or who you go home to I'm just thinking about you I just think it's such a beautiful beautiful song yeah and I will cry and listen to it later does anyone have speculation on who they think this song is about mm. so mm. there are parallels to Taylor Swift's Ivy I love Ivy. Yeah, it has very similar notes and chord progression to Ivy. So I wonder if it's a kind of a call to that song. Mm, It could be. I always interpreted Little Freak to be like a song about himself. Like, yes, like a song about like what people think that he is. Like, you're just a little freak. Tracksuit and a ponytail. That's him. Yeah, exactly. You hide the body that all that yoga gave you. Mm-hmm. And he does yoga. We know our man loves yoga. <laughs> He's flexible. Um, <laughs> also, the, I'm not worried about where you are, who you go home to. I'm just thinking of you. I'm not worried about who you are, what you're doing. I'm just thinking about you myself. Like, I'm just thinking about my person, who I am at my core. Mm. I'm not thinking about what you're doing in the moment or who you might be dating or going off with right now. I'm literally just thinking about the person who is at my core. Mm. Damn. 
it's a really deep song and it hurts my head to think too much about it but I just think it's a really beautiful song and no matter who it's written about just I hope the little freak is okay yeah the next song is Matilda which is kind of like cousins to little freak yes so sad I have to skip this one because I I can never listen to it. Yeah, the falsetto is amazing here. It contains probably, I don't know, Matilda and Little Freak, they both contain the most striking lyrics on this album for sure. This is a song about someone else, not necessarily about himself. So the perspective is, again, we're lacking that vulnerability on his end. But it's still a really sad song. It gives you all the feels. It is not a song for the faint of heart. No. A lot of fans seem to really connect with this one. Yeah. And I think it is probably the most skipped simply because people are like, I cannot emotionally handle this right now. Yeah. Well, even like the lyrics from the beginning of in not invite your family because you know they never showed you love. And then at the end, the ending lyrics of you can start a family who will always show you love. It really full circles it of the journey of it all. And I think a lot of LGBTQ people have really felt resonation with this song of like, sometimes families aren't always supportive, but they've found families that they've created, whether biological or, you know, friends that become family, and they're the ones who are always there for you. And, you know, I just think, again, it's just a really beautiful song with beautifully deep lyrics. Wonderfully said. Okay, so the next is Cinema. This is a One Direction song. It's my least favorite song, I think. I always skip it. Oh, that's a hot take. Like yeah, this is, is the song take. I go after. Mm. It's very sexy. I'm kind of surprised. One fun fact, John Mayer does the guitar on this song. Hmm. Huh. He does a really good job. He's an excellent guitarist. He is. He is. And I love how it's produced where it only comes out of the right ear at the beginning of a song and then yeah. it, it yeah. migrates to both as the song progresses. It's it's really cool how it's produced. I love the ad-libbed Baby Your Cinema. I just love it. I think this is a great song. I don't I don't know why it bothers me. <laughs> I'm not offended by it. It just I don't it doesn't stick to me. No, I love cinema. This sounds like a One Direction song to me, but I also love the jazzy scat element from it of like you got you got. It's just like so it's snappy. Okay, so the next song is Daydreaming. This actually samples Ain't We Funkin' Now by the Brothers Johnson, which is a 70s disco funk song. John Mayer plays guitar on this one as well. And this is super fun live with the horns. This is the song that Harry started the live show with. Yeah. Again, Yacht Rock song. I can rock on a yacht. (laughs) It, It is a Yacht Rock song. I love this song. And I think... It really showcases how textured his voice can be. Mm-hmm. Like he gets living in a, d-, and I'm like, oh, so he's really digging deep yeah. for that towards the end. Again, this is a song where I'm like, I think this song is over probably because living in a daydream is said so many times towards the end. And then he rips out the one that just like, you know, came from his whole chest. And I'm like, oh, that's it. <laughs> he put his whole bussy into this. <laughs> he did. He sings this song with his whole being. And not that he doesn't with others, but this is just a song where I feel like he's like, let me dig deep. Big breath. Living in a daydream. <laughs> just, I love this song. Obsessed. Okay, so the next is Keep Driving. and Another this is, song I'm obsessed with. I love this. And this is Harry's most 80s sounding song, I would say. Lots of synth in this one. The lyrics are also really fun. Lots of wine references, weed references. <laughs> it's also so funny looking at the lyrics of like, it, it, it's it's a lot of words and I'm mm-hmm. well aware that's yes. what lyrics are. Yeah. But like, it, it's not full sentences. Right. It is not like lengthy. It is hash brown egg yolk. Yep. It's very staccato. It's, it's, it, it's single word scene setting visual imagery. Mm-hmm. 
That's what it is. You said it's very similar to Richard Cronin from LFO. Yes, yes. Okay. Here are the lyrics to Summer Girls by LFO. Hip hop marmalade spick and span. Met you one summer and it all began. You're the best girl that I ever did see. The great library bird, Jersey 33. Tell me that does not sound like cocaine side boob choker with a sea view. Yes. And like you said, very like scene setting, maple syrup, coffee, pancakes for two, hash brown, egg yolk. I will always love you. I literally can see them in a kitchen making breakfast together. Yeah, absolutely. Should we just keep driving? Like I'm literally seeing them just driving away. Does he talk about a seaside? Yeah, sea view. Okay, sea view. I was going to say, to me, they're driving towards the sea view. Well, to me, they're like driving up the California coast. Mm. You can see the ocean to your side. You can see the view. (laughs) (laughs) The cocaine side boob choker with a sea view, toothache, bad move, just act normal. That's another one where it just keeps building. Cocaine yeah. side boob, and then it's like da 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 da. This thing, this thing, this thing, and then this it comes thing. off so quickly. Yeah, should we just keep driving? Yeah. It's like he he takes you so high during that. I guess it's the bridge, and like you're like yes, 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 and then just you plummet off the cliff, and you're like, should we just keep driving? It creates a really cool feeling. Really, really interesting. It's a fun song to listen to. Mm-hmm. That was really well done live, I think too. Yes. Okay, so the next song is Satellite. I love satellite. I do too. Spinning out, waiting for it. You know, I do a lot of singing for somebody who can't sing. Yeah. Similar, almost identical chord progression to Clouds by One Direction. I was going to say this song, like I said, cinema was a One Direction song. This is like the the One Direction yes. song. Are you telling me that at the end, spinning out, waiting for you, like the last one where he like hits the high notes, you can't tell me that was not made for Zane. Mm. Oh. Like that, that... The like the octave that hits that is a Zane squeal if I've ever heard one <laughs> Zane mm, squeal wow yeah this is aside from Little Freak this is the song that gives me the biggest One Direction vibe so when you were saying cinema and I was like really because I always think Satellite is such a One Direction song I can absolutely see Zane singing some of these high notes but I also love the like foot stomping he does in this um when he plays it live yeah um and I find myself doing the foot stomping when I'm just listening to this wow wow okay so the next is boyfriends skip yeah this is probably the one song that I would skip on this album but I think that it kind of had this lore with the fandom before it got released because he would perform it and it was never released so yeah it kind of reminds me of daughters by John Mayer yeah minus minus the sexism (laughs) This song, Boyfriends, has the n- lowest number of Spotify streams on this album. Yeah, 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 I can see that. It feel it doesn't feel like it belongs on this album. It's mm-hmm. definitely like the slowest, but I don't think the lyrics hit in the same way that some of the other slow songs like Little Freak and Matilda do. And the next one, Love of My Life. Yeah, I really like Love of My Life. I love this song. I feel like, I mean, this is also the song he ended with before coming out for his encore. Yeah. And the band continuing to play the piano while he just fades into the dark and waves. I'm probably going to cry just thinking about that. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I love this song. Allegedly, it's about his love of England and just missing home, which just breaks my heart. I know. It's a really beautiful ode. I'm just reading the, I don't know you half as well as my friends. I won't pretend that I've been doing everything I can to get to know your creases and your ends. Are they the same? Like, that's just so, oh, Harry. 
And I think the maybe you don't know what's lost till you find it is a really potent call back to your hometown in your home country of um, you don't always know what good it did for you until you've left. I Yeah, I 100% agree with that lyric. As someone who hated their hometown and now look back on it, I say, wow, damn. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a perfect way to end that album, way to end the concert. Excellent. 10 out of 10. All right, any final thoughts on Harry? I'm excited to see what he does next. I feel like all these albums have kind of gotten better and better as they go on. So I'm just, I'm interested to see what Harry Styles album four brings. I really hope he's taking a break. I would be very grateful if Harry took a break and we didn't get new Harry for like two, three years. I want him to go have another Jamaica moment where he can go fall back in love with music. And like, I'm not saying he's out of love with music, but I think if he can go have a couple of years and just exist, be who he wants to be not have to worry about writing the next hit album or going on tour or doing something like if he can just be Harry Styles the like what 20 something year old he is just go do that music will be there agreed your fans will still be here like I'm speaking just for myself so don't come at me but I would be very grateful if he took a break for himself yeah I think he needs some time to reset I can't wait to see what comes next but I hope that it um, comes after a period of rest and relaxation for him absolutely and I'm Excited that uh, and hopeful that the next album features someone from One Direction. Mm. That would be ideal. It would be ideal. Yeah. And with that, we're out. Don't forget, treat people with kindness. This Must Be Pop is written, produced, and edited by Anna. Our theme song, Teenage Girls Made Rock and Roll, is written and performed by Madam Daly. Add us on Instagram for more content and to be the first to find out which band will be featured in the next episode at This Must Be Pop Pod. That's This Must Be P-O-P-P-O-D on Instagram. Got a question or suggestion? Email us at Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs>